In New England, we have a whole spectrum of different fossil fuel plants. Most of those are on the slower side of the spectrum. And looking forward, there's a variety of different technologies that we could see more of on the grid. There's long duration storage technologies. There's the potential for hydrogen. And it's important to be sending the proper price signals for the reliability value that each of those types of resources will provide to the system so that we bring the right ones on. Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climable.org. Energy Nerd Show. Here's our guest today. Jason Frost. Hey, Jason. Hey, Bruce. Hey, Jeannie. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for being here. I am super excited that we're doing this episode. And partly it's because I've been doing this work for a really long time, sometimes as an expert, sometimes as a mom. And whenever really good ideas come up with the powers that be, whether it's shutting down dirty plants or raising up renewables, there's this one big word that oh, they throw at you and it's supposed to shut you up. Reliability. Can we do some good stuff? Reliability. Reliability. Anyway, so I think we get to hear from you about what's going on in New England and making the whole system reliable. Is reliability important, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Reliability is definitely important. We use electricity for almost everything we do these days. And it's important that as we transition to a cleaner energy system, we continue to have resources that can provide that reliable electricity throughout the day, including during some surprise events that have been causing problems for some of our older fossil power plant fleet. So in New England, we have what's called a capacity market, and that is a market designed to essentially procure enough resources to reliably provide power throughout the year for every hour of the year. And it's undergoing a lot of changes as the grid is undergoing a lot of changes and we're getting new types of resources and older resources are retiring and loads are changing as we bring electric vehicles and heat pumps onto the grid. And ISO New England has proposed numerous reforms to help move the capacity market forward and and to procure a reliable set of resources, it's essential to value each resource type's contribution to the grid on an even basis. And the problem that we found is that older, slower coal and oil plants primarily don't provide the same reliability benefits that a lot of other resources on the system do provide. And that leads to risks when we have unexpected grid events where these resources are too slow to show up in time. Can you tell us what happened on December 24th of 2022? Yeah, December 24th this past year was a cold one. And this was also winter storm Elliot across much of the country. And it was a particularly stressful day for the grid because cold weather means more people turning on their heat pumps and other appliances and higher electric loads. And it can also be challenging for power plants to operate under some of those conditions. So on December 24th, the region went into the operating day without there being any problem on the grid. There was enough available capacity coming from power plants to meet the load that ISO New England expected to occur at the peak hour. But throughout the day, a number of issues arose at various plants on the system. And by the time we reached the typical 6 p.m. peak, there were more than 8,000 megawatts of capacity unavailable that had not been turned on to fill the gap left by thousands of megawatts of capacity that went offline unexpectedly in the preceding hours. And that led to a brief period where ISO had to declare what it calls its emergency operating procedure for, and it continues to provide power reliably, but goes with fewer operating reserves than it is mandated to have at all times. 
So what's the nature of the failures? Is equipment breaking or it's cold or is it a lot of different things? There's a lot of different things. Sometimes the cold weather can impact failures directly. So, you know, resources kind of just mechanically struggle to deal with the weather that's going on. Sometimes there are fuel procurement challenges where there can be limited fuel available specifically on gas pipelines during colder days. And sometimes issues just arise from turning on plants that haven't been turned on in a while and that rarely run. One other issue that occurred on December 24th is that imports from some of our surrounding regions were lower than anticipated due to some transmission issues that occurred over in Quebec. So the New England region was able to import less power from Quebec unexpectedly as well, and that contributed to the shortfall. So some resources that were available stopped being available, and then the other resources that could have been turned on weren't turned on? That's correct. (laughs) So between around noon and 6 p.m. on December 24th, there were a few thousand megawatts of resources that either unexpectedly went offline due to mechanical issues or in the case of Quebec, kind of reduced imports into the region. And that led the region to end up in a period of reserve shortage when ISO needed to call its emergency operating procedures. And at that point, you know, typically you would look to other resources on the system to fill in some of the gaps and address that reliability challenge. And there were 8,000 megawatts of resources that in theory were sitting on the sidelines available. But the problem was that so many of them were too slow to turn on. So for at least a brief period on the evening of December 24th, ISO had to operate the system with reduced operating reserves, kind of risking potential rolling blackouts because of this large set of resources, including some old coal and oil resources that we have on the system that can't respond quickly to kind of quick emergency events. So would you say that those resources are getting overpaid for capacity or reliability contribution to the system that they're not able to provide? They are. ISO has been kind of updating the way that it pays resources for the reliability contribution they provide through the capacity market. And that occurs through a value called capacity accreditation, which is how much capacity value each resource has and can sell. And while ISO has made some improvements into how capacity accreditation is calculated, a major gap is in understanding the impact of resource inflexibility, and in particular, long startup times, which can be up to 12 or even 24 hours before a unit can start producing power. The impact of those limitations is not captured at all in ISO's modeling of how much capacity value each resource has. And that means we end up overvaluing some of these slower plants. So looking forward, this seems like an important problem to fix. How are we going to fix this? It is, and it's going to be important to fix as we continue to move through the clean energy transition and due to the climate crisis, see increasing kind of short-term surprise events happening to the grid. We, in our paper, looked at one option to address this challenge, which would be to do more sophisticated modeling that actually accounted for the uncertainty inherent in operating the system on a day-to-day basis. The ISO's current modeling, it has a perfect ability to forecast what's going to happen in the next few days. And if you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow, you can turn on a really slow plant far in advance, and you don't necessarily notice that you have a problem there. But we proposed that ISO consider a more sophisticated modeling framework that actually put these surprise events into the model so that the model could actually see the the challenge associated with having a system of really slow resources. You're saying we need to expect the unexpected. Exactly.
So in terms of flexible resources, I would imagine that a battery is something that can go on quickly and go off. And I hope that would get a high capacity value or valued for its flexibility. What are some other resources that can go on quickly and how are they being valued? So we have a whole spectrum of different resources in New England. As you noted, batteries are one of the fastest resources available. So they're a perfect example of the type of resource that can jump in to fill that gap. We also have other resources such as hydroelectric power plants that can respond fairly quickly to these types of situations. There's a whole spectrum of different fossil fuel plants. Most of those are on the slower side of the spectrum, but some are you know, faster than others. And looking forward, there's a you know, variety of different technologies that we could see more of on the grid. There's you know, potential long duration storage technologies. There's the potential for hydrogen. And it's important to be sending the proper price signals for the reliability value that each of those types of resources will provide to the system so that we bring the right ones on. You mentioned the report, so I'm guessing that that report has graphs. You didn't show up to the Energy Nerd Show empty-handed in terms of graphs, did you? No, of course not. So this figure shows really what went wrong on December 24th. It starts all the way back in the morning at 8.30 a.m., which is when ISO New England comes out with its morning report each day. And while they noticed that imports were expected to be a little bit lower, they didn't anticipate any problems at that point. But as we went farther into the day to noon and eventually to 4 and 4.30 p.m., various outages occurred throughout the system that required certain plants to be taken offline. And by the time we hit the system peak all the way to the right here, between 5 and 6 p.m., there were so many outages that ISO New England had needed to declare a reserve shortage event through their OP4 procedure. And we've overlaid on this timeline the amount of time that it would take one of these slower coal plants, we've used Merrimack Unit 2 as an example, to start up in time to be available for that 5 to 6 p.m. peak. And with a startup time of about 12 hours, that plant would have needed to start to begin the process of coming online at 6 a.m. long before any of these challenges were known. So by the time the grid operator knew that there was an issue going on, it was too late to turn to a plant like Merrimack Unit 2. As part of our analysis of how these slower, less flexible plants are operating, we looked at specific units and how they started up on a bunch of different days over the last about five years, from 2018 to 2022. And we looked at a variety of days when the unit was turned on, but had not been operating in the previous days. So that's what's called a cold startup event. And that tends to be the type of instance in which these plants take a longer time to slowly ramp up. And as you can see on this chart, Merrimack Unit 2, which is a coal-fired unit, couldn't get up to even what's considered its minimum operating capacity of around 120 megawatts until at least 9 or 10 and more often about 12 hours of startup time or operation. And it took even longer for it to get up to its full capacity, which was closer to about 300 megawatts, shown at the top of this chart. You can see how if Merrimack's not already running on a day where something happens to the grid, it's going to take a long time before you can count on getting any power at all out of this plant. So when a grid operator or the owner of this power plant decides it should run from a cold start, it takes like six hours before it can produce even a 
kilowatt on a net basis. That's right. For the first five or six hours, there's absolutely no generation coming out of this plant. What are they doing? They are starting to warm up the boiler kind of slowly to prevent any mechanical damage associated with fast temperature changes, typically. So did Sierra Club hire Synapse to do this report? They did. Sierra Club was interested in digging deeper into this challenge associated with less flexible plants. And so they asked us to look at both how resources are actually operating and how much of a problem this is on the ISO New England system. And we looked at seven different units powered by coal, oil, and biomass to get a sense for how long these units are taking to start up. And then we also looked at how frequently the region runs into events where we need kind of quicker resources to respond to uncertain situations. And we found that there is quite a bit of uncertainty, obviously, that the system faces on a day-to-day basis. And there are a significant number of these slower resources that can't respond and can't help improve system reliability during those types of events. So how can this information be useful to Sierra Club and even to lay people who may not be working in the industry? This information should inform how we think about valuing the reliability contributions coming from all of these different resource types. Um, Hey, Jason. (laughs) Hey, Bruce. (laughs) Alice needs the room. (laughs) I think we've hit our time cap, but this has been a great episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. (laughs) Thank you. It's been great to be here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, more later. Bye, guys. (laughs) Check out the show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Nerd Show or on our website at energynerdshow.com.